The pilot episode of The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air premiered on September 10th, 1990 on NBC. This is Pilot Study Episode 3, so let's put 23 minutes on the clock. Pilot Study Chris and Grimes They're talking all of your favorite shows But only the pilot episode That means the first show In case you didn't know Never know a show they're gonna talk about But they're only gonna talk about the first one And that's the premise behind Pilot Study all right, let's get right into it. We got 23 minutes. That's it. A short a short pilot episode. The shortest we've done so far. Somehow Ferris Bueller got a longer episode than Fresh <laughs> Prince of Bel-Air. I feel like they, they really had to make up for the lack of quality with a couple extra minutes. It didn't It did not make a difference, unfortunately. No, it didn't. It didn't help. They should have cut a couple. So let's start right off at the iconic intro. Of course, my name is Chris Lantine, and I am one of your co-hosts, and I'm joined, as always... By Grimes, who is going to take the intro from here. Good evening. Yes, well, we are talking about The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, which premiered on September 10th, 1990 on NBC, um, as mentioned. So right off the bat, one thing that I like about this pilot is that it has the extended verse on the intro song, the very famous intro song that people sing at bars and in karaoke. and <laughs> It's got to be the most famous television intro I, I think right it has to be like can you th- can be. you think of another one that is more famous than this rap definitely not one that's more famous and with that many lyrics that that many people know by heart right i mean like cheers obviously is very famous right yeah. seinfeld yeah. but this is like a full song that people know it is it's much like a rap video i was i was watching this pilot it it's basically he just made a video about uh, the song is just about his new TV show. Right, so the ex- the extra verse that you're talking about is the I begged and pleaded with her. It's like in between the fight and the whistled for a cab and when it came here lines. Yes, it's like, he's on a plane. Right, sandwiched in between there. And you said before we got on here that that did show up on some other episodes, but largely they did away with the extended one. Yeah, I think in syndication and on reruns, uh, you'll see that extended cut. It's like the the wild unicorn of the Fresh Prince rerun world. You'll hear it every now and then. It's like a treat. <laughs> well, it's a long intro. It's like a minute and 47 seconds. Yeah, that's like, very long. And he's talking the whole time. There's a lot of lyrics packed into that two minutes. Okay, so let's let's move past the intro. Everybody yes. knows that everybody knows the lyrics. I don't think we really have to analyze it. Besides, it's it's perfectly nineties. Graffiti, the hat, the reliance on neon. It's got everything. <laughs> I mean, Will Smith comes into this episode like like a rocket ship. Like just like the way he moves and how confident he is. I think I read something that he was. I mean, this was like a few weeks into his acting career that he did this episode live in front of the studio audience. And it's it's weird. I mean, obviously we have the benefit of hindsight, but I wonder if at that time people thought that okay, this is like a this is a star in the making type performance. I mean, we know he became the biggest star in the world, but he really like comes onto the show with so much confidence. Yeah, definitely. And I remember I was a little kid when the Fresh Prince was on, but I remember watching it like as it was happening. Mm-hmm. And he was a big deal in music, but rap definitely wasn't like it is now. It wasn't very acceptable, especially in middle America. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the first rappers, 
period and then one of the first ones to become an actor as well so it wasn't as like natural of a career path i guess he, he's he's no ludicrous let's put it that way. right yes he is definitely no christopher bridges <laughs> yeah i guess but, let's uh, let's use his uh let's use the stage yeah, name right? government name I've, ne- I've never seen somebody go to hollywood and change their name back to their original name it's usually the other way around like somebody changed their name to vin diesel right. or some shit like that stick with ludicrous i mean <laughs> nobody cares the, like bow wow tried to change his name to whatever his real name is i forget right. but like nah but um yeah so will smith definitely you're right this was just him being him and they gave him a platform and he made the most of it obviously was was he like i mean i guess i didn't follow hip-hop at this point was he a big rapper i mean what level of popularity are we dealing with here I would say if you compared him to somebody now, he would be almost like... Who's the guy that Drake punked down? Meek Mill. <laughs> he's above me. He's more like a Drake, honestly. He's Is pretty, he? He's pretty family-friendly, you know. He's very much like... He was on the pop charts. My mom was like not threatened by Will Smith. I think he was pretty much a household name. He was like MC Hammer... Will Smith, um, Vanilla Ice, that was pretty much your your Jay-Z, Kanye mm-hmm. mountaintop of rap at that time. So then they gave him a TV show. I mean, we see this a ton in television where, especially in the pilot, they have to build the show specifically around one personality. Right. And really, everybody has to play off that personality. And I think they, they really, really do it well here because they let Will Smith do what he does best. So... They let him incorporate music into the pilot. They let him, you know, do this and do that. And I'm sure when we get to Seinfeld, we'll see that... I can't remember the quality level of the Seinfeld pilot, but I'm sure they took every opportunity to cater to his stand-up persona, as they did throughout the series. So I think they did a good job here in creating this show around a personality, but not only that, like, actually letting him do things that he was comfortable with, like, just, I don't know, like, that stupid dancing scene. (laughs) <laughs> right, yeah, with Ashley. I mean, or that, that, was, that was funny just because he had the confidence to just be an asshole in front of the studio audience. So, I mean, they they did the uh, the beatboxing of the table. They did. I mean, uh, yeah, when, when you're introdu- when you're introduced to him, he's basically creating some some sort of a rhythm. So, you know, I thought that was uh, interesting. Now. Uh, what else did we want to get to here? So the introduction of the characters. They have to introduce seven characters in this episode, and I was curious how you think they handled it. Do, did you do you think everybody was pretty well established? You know, I feel like this is going to come up a lot when we talk about pilots: is establishment of character, how quickly they're able to do it. Well, they did it pretty quickly. I mean, right away he meets Jeffrey mm-hmm. um, at the door, and they have their little interaction. The butler. Um, and I liked how they kind of did the character introductions and the laying out of who everyone was. They sort of went one by one, almost like, now here's Uncle Phil, now here's Hillary. Yeah, right. Like, you got a very good idea of everybody by the end. And I think better than any pilot we've done so far. I mean, if you think about it, this the writer, who I, I believe his name is Andy, yeah, Andy Borowitz is one of the writers, and I believe it was some, I, I think he had a writing partner in this. It might have been his wife. But, um... He had to basically capture character essence in two to three lines for each person. So when Hillary came in, I think that was a good example that you brought up, in that she had to have had this short interaction with Phil that painted her as a spoiled brat, 
that made us know she was fashionable and rich and that she was into social causes, which I think is something that carried on throughout the series, right? Yeah, more like the name-dropping aspect, like hobnobbing with celebrities who are actually into the cause, and she just kind of, like, goes, yeah. Well, they did get to mention Ali Sheedy in this episode. Right, and and, uh, (laughs) some random, like, old-school I guess now this show is probably 25 years old, so... It's weird because... Probably it is. Because this premiered right after our last episode, which centered on Ferris Bueller. Bueller. (laughs) Ferris Ferris Bueller was a John Hughes movie. And yet they're, they shied away from any Hughes references, literally cutting the head off Ferris. And then meanwhile, this show, which of course is not based on anything, they're just dropping those John Hughes references like nothing. Like Emilio Estevez, Ali Sheedy. I, mean, I can't remember if they mentioned somebody else, but those are two two yeah, actors I in one of his right biggest though. movies. That is interesting, too. And you can see what happens when you go from movie to tv versus tv to a guy that would be a movie star it seems to work better that way right yeah um i thought the beginning especially in that big room at the beginning in the the living room that becomes famous is it seemed really stagey i don't know if it seemed that way to you like it seemed more stagey than i remember the show being like and maybe it was because i was young and that's just what was expected at that time because we had a lot of laugh tracks and but um I don't know. It was just very shocking that they were so clearly playing to an audience and like looking at the audience a lot and kind of it just felt like a stage play. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because that addresses something I wanted to bring up as well. Um, There were two major changes. Like I was a big Fresh Prince fan. I've seen everyone at least twice now, I'm sure. And two major changes they tried to make and never like addressed were when they changed the house and when they changed Aunt Viv. Okay, yeah, so break down what they eventually did change. What did they change about the house? So they the they house, added so a like, kitchen, right? Well, they added a staircase. The kitchen was way different. The furniture wasn't as like dark and fancy looking. It like opened up and looked more like a house. Whereas like you said in this pilot in the first like season, maybe even season 2, um it looks like a stage set like kids made like college kids made it to do a play (laughs) it's i guess it just kind of shocked me like i don't know it was just very shocking to kind of take it in like that because mostly everything we see now is single camera right like everything we watch and even even last week's episode or the last episode we did ferris bueller was single Single camera yeah and and there's no obviously no audience laughter in that in that regard, but you know just them sitting down and so clearly playing to that audience was just um, kind of a culture shock to me. I just I guess I don't watch that many shows anymore, but there still are like live live audience shows, right? Big Bang Theory. That's yeah, live. I think so. I think a lot of the network because that's another way they can sell it. You can be part of the experience and come and take a tour and like sit there mm-hmm. and laugh at Leonard and Sheldon and yeah, and I Carlton bet- and. Will and everybody, you know. <laughs> and I bet if you go and you watch it, there's some kind of connection that occurs there. It's almost like if you go and check out a sporting event or something, you're naturally going to watch the highlights on television that night. Yeah, yeah. So if you go and see the show live, you're going to tune in for the broadcast. And that has to help with their numbers, at least a little bit. Oh, say. for sure. I it's like think. a comedian, you know, you have to be on TV because then you're the guy from TV and people will pay attention to you. Before that, mm-hmm. you're just a nobody. You're me. <laughs> so So I'm going to I'm going to let you lead off this aspect, the racial aspect and how it's uh, introduced okay. because I think this is like a really 
I don't know if it was groundbreaking at that time or whatever, but to me it seemed very um, refreshing that they kind of approached it head on and they had moments where they actually like acknowledged the skin color of the people on the television show, which they don't really... I mean, it's not needed in every show. Obviously, this is a special case. It's kid right. kid from the wrong side of the tracks and you know that kind of storyline. So, I mean, how do you? what do you think of how they worked race in there? And is this something that they continued on throughout the show? They definitely did. And this for, even in the pilot here, they foreshadowed the relationship between Will and every character, obviously, but... Um, his uncle kind of being the father figure, the reluctant like relationship there um, that definitely Uncle Phil is known for dropping wisdom nuggets throughout the series every season, almost mm-hmm. every episode. Uh, Will screws up, it's kind of funny, somebody has to fix it, then he learns a lesson. Right. Um, I think they did a good job. It's not like too, for a network, it doesn't seem too preachy. There were a lot of like quote-unquote black shows at this time like um family matters with urkel mm-hmm. uh the cosby show of course now we view a little differently but at the time it was <laughs> nope. pretty legit but this one this was like the hip-hop one so it was a little more real it was a little more edgy like mm-hmm. um you know in this episode you see will dancing around clowning around in his room putting up a malcolm x poster and uncle phil's like yeah i like was with that dude doing things so um and i think they do a good job and then there's like the class issue too like um the people in bel-air are so rich and will comes from like such a poor background and then that has a racial element there too so i think it you know it definitely helped educate a generation of white rural people like me that knew nothing about anything black or rapish or any you know what i mean like it mm-hmm. was pretty good i guess for that i mean it gets really it gets really intense at the end of that episode like when he talks about i think he says i encountered bigotry you cannot imagine you have a you have a nice poster of malcolm x on your wall i heard the brother speak like i mean it gets pretty intense and right the guy who plays phil who i, I believe passed away recently right yeah he did oh yeah. Yeah, he, i think sure. i think he's like the best part of this pilot because i mean the way that him and will act it's almost like it, it feels like they have a history or and even though they don't there's no there's no history there character wise really but it just feels like they have this natural chemistry and this natural history, the the actors themselves. It feels like they're talking about things that they're going to talk about again and that they're comfortable discussing, you know, on this television show. So, you know, I really, really enjoyed that moment. And I thought it was obviously setting the stage for that constant, not conflict, but that battle between them. Kind of the new age and the old age of looking at racism and because i i know they really did some like some lesson episodes <laughs> oh yeah yeah there when were it, definitely some after school specials yeah when it when it came to that i, I and I, I don't think this pilot really dipped into the after school territory i think it no, avoided that quite. that was later right so but i mean oh sorry ahead. no you go ahead I was just going to say, like, their relationship mirrored kind of their relationship in real life, whereas, you know, James Avery was the guy, Uncle Phil. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a real actor, you know, and he carried himself in a certain way. And Will Smith was a real rapper, and he carried himself. In, he was like the raw talent that needed to be 
taught how to act in life and you know what i'm saying so then like on the show it makes sense he's this raw dude and he needs to be taught how to act um and so i i robot bro i robot i robot that's all i gotta say obviously he taught him well yeah i mean will smith <laughs> can't act if he chooses real projects and doesn't try to be like in a vehicle for his dumb son <laughs> uh the moment where he's playing piano uh, Andy Borowitz, super deep. <laughs> yeah, Andy Borowitz, who's the writer, said that he met Will Smith for the first time at Quincy Jones's house because Quincy Jones was a producer on this show, I believe, and he was kind of the one that helped set up this project. And apparently, Will Smith drifted away from like the section at the party, sat down at his piano, and played those bars of Beethoven. And so he used that real life experience as kind of like the capper to this episode. Which it was, you know, to me it was really strange that him playing the piano and that the look that Uncle Phil gives didn't end the episode. There was more after that. Didn't that feel like there that was been, a good ending? Yeah, that was like the ending, and then he goes up to his uh, <clears throat> Ashley, right? Yeah, the youngest comes. Up. He goes up to Ashley's room, and then they have this whole other thing where they go to the bathrooms, and it kind of ends on a flat note where really it should have ended at the piano bit. Yeah, it was almost like they had another minute to fill, and they were like, uh, go do something. <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to have to improv this last minute, because we wrote it a little short. Will Smith apparently delivers lines very quickly, and we did not write enough. So, <laughs> um, you know, I wanted to talk about Carlton as well, because Carlton becomes such a huge part of this show, and he's really nowhere to be found in this episode at all. It's kind of strange. Maybe they just didn't know what they had or they're saving him. But I thought he would have had like one bigger moment. Yeah, it, it was, he was barely introduced. They did a lot more with Ashley. Uh, maybe in the beginning they planned on that being like the relationship to play up on the show. But as it went on, Carlton and, and Will obviously became, you know, the main characters there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Carlton kind of came in and Will made fun of him a couple times and that was it. I guess they set up the the, mo- the first few seasons of it there, but um, yeah, they didn't really capitalize on Carlton was the least used. Uh, they used a lot of Jeffrey in the pilot, a lot of Ashley, mm-hmm. um, which was good. But yeah, not, not much Carlton there. Not much Carlton. He becomes known for the dance, but I feel like he does pretty good work in the show as it goes on. I mean, from from what I remember, he's good comic relief, at least. Yeah, and I mean, that guy can act, too. Alfonso Ribeiro. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, Ribeiro, I'm was, sorry. Was, was he in anything after post-Fresh Prince that you remember? I can't really remember. That I remember? Uh, yeah, he came to a nightclub in San Diego when we were living there, and if you paid <laughs> 10 bucks, you could, like, party with him all night. That's, <laughs> so, he was in a nightclub besides that, Fresh that, Prince. That was his gig. <laughs> uh, um, and let me tell you, that guy was enjoying his life. Cool. I mean, um, I mean, these are, like, the real-deal syndication things where they're still getting paid for these episodes, at least... I, I hope because I did hear a interview with the guy who played Zach Morris and he said that the kids got screwed on the Saved by the Bell syndication deal and they right. got paid like nothing. So I wonder if the, these these guys fell into the same kind of general pool, but I, I doubt Will Smith did. I guarantee Will Smith makes enough money from the Fresh Prince that he would have never had to act again. Right, yeah. Now, those other ancillary characters, who knows, but it's not like they're going to be on welfare anytime soon. 
um, a preview article from the USA Today that I found this. Uh, I, I got found a screenshot from it. It said that he has been an actor three days, the time it took to shoot in regards to Will Smith. So he literally became an actor right at that point. And yeah. so it was, this was post um, Parents Just Don't Understand with Jazzy Jeff, right? I'm sorry. Was this was this post Parents Just Don't Understand? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. This okay. was post, not long post. Maybe two, two, three years tops. And when does Jazzy Jeff create become a character in this show? He he comes in early, like season one. I'm pretty sure, and then he's like, uh, you know, one or two episodes here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'll come in and he tries to hit on Hillary and stuff. We um, actually only have about three minutes left. Three minutes. So what else do you want to hit on? What's what's uh, what's burning in your mind about this well, episode? I got some trivia for you. Okay. You mentioned Quincy Jones. His daughter, Rashida Jones, um, The Office, Parks and Rec, um, I Love You, Man. Okay. Kind of interesting trivia there. I had two questions for you. Yes. First one, who's hotter, Hillary <laughs> or Ashley as a grown-up? I don't know what Ashley as a grown-up looks like. What's Smoking her... hot. I think she's hotter. Okay, then I'll just trust your judgment. All right. <laughs> Will Smith, better as a rapper or an actor? Okay, and I'm going to counter with a question. He's a better actor, for sure. Yeah. And what is your favorite Will Smith performance? It doesn't have to be your favorite Will Smith movie, but what, what do you think he was legitimately best in? Or, you know, just, or just most entertaining in? When, when I watch that Pursuit of Happiness movie... He's pretty good in that. That's a real actor in a real movie. Like, yeah. That, that one got me. I have to say that's probably my favorite Will Smith. There's a, there's a bunch. I mean, I really do like him. I grew up, he was like the main coolest guy ever. Uh, he was my Kanye as a child. Like, <laughs> he was everything. He was the music, the TV, eventually movies. Like, you know, he was the guy that kind of started doing that. Um, so. let's, just, let's just take a moment to remember that he made Hancock a hit over a hundred million dollars and I robot, which I joked about earlier though. He made both of those movies like bona fide summer hits. And that's, that's pretty incredible to, you know, considering how terrible they both were. And that guy probably had a 15 year streak of movies like that, where he didn't, not only did he not make a flop, I don't, he probably didn't make a movie less than a hundred million for like a decade. Yeah, it was like every single summer he had a new yeah. movie coming out. It was like Wild Wild West, hundred million, and this was like when a hundred million was a real achievement. Now, it's yeah, like, it was like five hundred million now. You know, crazy Marvel numbers for every movie, even lame ones like yeah, Wild Wild West, total garbage. Which he did a rap song for, which we totally yeah, yeah totally and then he started needed. doing that too. So yeah, he was doing rap songs, but only for the movies he was in. So like right, Men, yeah, Men in Black. Tradition. <laughs> Men in Black, Wild Wild West. Um, we're off the Fresh Prince now, but that's okay. I mean, I thought it was a great pilot. I, I really, I actually, I, too. I enjoyed this one. Well, obviously, a ton more than Ferris Bueller, but I think it's one of the better comedy pilots I've seen because they're just so hard to nail with these sitcom comedy pilots. I agree. I think they did a great job, and it was very true to how the show stayed for the most part, other than the different Aunt Viv and the different house. Mm-hmm. Uh, no explanation of either. Um, but that that's it, man. That's our time. And um, Okay. I have to say, we did it. We did it big. Fresh Prince. I respected this pilot a lot. Me too. This has been Pilot Study Episode 3. Stick around 
for a little epilogue where we're going to kind of detail our plans for the next few episodes. But um, this one I found on Daily Motion. It wasn't there was no YouTube for this one. I forgot to update people. Ferris Bueller, that pilot was on YouTube. This one you kind of had to do a little digging for, and it also wasn't on Netflix. Right. It's I believe you can only get it like on DVD. You had to like do the mail service for Netflix, <laughs> which is never good. No. But uh, stick around, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Pilot Study, a little special epilogue we're recording for you here today. Uh, we kind of wanted to detail our plans for the next few episodes, kind of break down what we've been doing for the first three, and then maybe just get into some quick you know, TV coverage in terms of what we've been watching recently. But I need to start out by asking Grimes this. Ten, you, you only made it 10 minutes into Master of None. You only made it 10 minutes into Bob and David, the new, uh, basically the new version of Mr. Show. Right. So where were your faults in these two ones? Obviously, someday we'll do full pilot reviews, but I need to, because I mean, I liked Master of None. I haven't watched the other one, but what was it about these two that just killed you so much? Well, the thing is, and I'm, I try not to be a hater. You know, television is something uh. I love. It's one of my, my <laughs> I know, my initial reaction mostly is hate but when it comes to new stuff um i really tried to go into it with an open mind i think the problem with bob and david for me is that when they did mr show it was the early 90s they like invented alt comedy right so it's kind of like going back and listening to a Soundgarden album from 1989 and then them trying to do it again in 2015, like much like I imagine Soundgarden is currently doing. Like it just doesn't. It's not the same. It's so. I don't, it meant nothing to me then, so I don't get the nostalgia trip on it. So that's Bob and David. Like not. It's not their fault. It's not my fault. We just missed each other in the wind. Um. So that wasn't a show that you watched growing up or anything. Because no. I didn't. No. I was too young. So that means you probably weren't even like watching TV yet. <laughs> I, stuff was I wasn't born yet. But um. So what about Master? Now, what about Master of None? Because I've watched five episodes and I'm kind of enjoying it. You know, I like Aziz. I really do. I loved him in Parks and Rec. Um, stand up kills me. I, I don't know, man. It's trying so hard. Like the dialogue reminds me of Juno. Like nobody speaks like that. <laughs> nobody extrapolates on all these theories of, like you would never be in bed with a girl and Google some like stop sex to Google something. Right. Like oh, we're millennials. We we don't care about anything but smartphones. Even during like the most intimate human act, like we just don't care because caring's dumb. It's it's funny that you bring up that like that situation because it's literally within like the first thirty seconds of the show. So I know you didn't even make it to ten minutes. Well, they're just trying so hard to establish this like ultra hip, like ironic millennial. <laughs> lifestyle that just isn't like it's basically the show girls minus the awesome writing and with dudes uh, i don't know about the late seasons of girls but i i agree with you on like the first season 
They're like cramming, you know what I mean? They're just, everything is crammed. Like, we have to establish this world, this hip lingo. Like, we're going to be using iPhones. And I, I do, I, I'm with you on, like, the overly hip lingo. Like, they have yeah. they have some group conversations later on with him and his, like, group of friends, which includes... Well, yeah, when they sit at the diner, of course, and, like, right, right. the day. And they have, the they have like, it's kind of like, you ever follow that Twitter feed? It's, like, Seinfeld or modern-day Seinfeld or whatever. Yes, I love it, love it's it. Kind it's kind of thousand or whatever. Yeah, it's kind of like a TV show adaptation of that Twitter feed. Yeah. In that it's kind of very Seinfeldy in situations, you know, solved in like you know modern day with modern day devices and like with modern day ideals. You know, I'm gonna push you to watch just like one more episode. Watch like episode. Watch the Indians on TV episode. I think it's number four. If you watch that and you still hate it then I'm letting you off the hook. You only have to watch the pilot if we ever get to that episode of this podcast. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, to be fair, Mad Men and Breaking Bad were both shows that I had to watch the pilot like three times each. Really? So to really th- get into it. Yeah. Those, those weren't like immediate grabs for you. Nope. And those are my two favorites. So hmm. not putting this up there with that. I don't <laughs> think it's that good. But no, this is better than Mad Men for sure. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not off base with those comments. But I think, like you mentioned, Seinfeld, and that's a good thing because Seinfeld got real close to jumping the shark with all that catchphrase crap too, like slow talker, close talker, high talk. Like as the show went on and on, they kind of had to back off that stuff because you can't have a new catchphrase every week. Yeah, I would and... say watch either Indians on TV or The Other Man. I think is another one. I think they're episodes four and five. Okay. You really don't need to watch them like in super order. I think you could watch probably one of those two and get away with it. So. I would, I would, I would, I would give it a chance. I yeah. like Aziz, and there's cool people in it, I'm sure. Aziz isn't really a leading man, but it does kind of work in this show. Like, he kind of, oh, he really gets really, really close to drifting into Tom Haverford territory at times. Yeah. yeah. Like, with his line delivery and things like that. But I think he just, he navigates those waters just well enough to get away with it. I think he's just him. Like, yeah, maybe that's just him. And stand up. He's just Aziz. Like. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk about what we're gonna do for these uh, next few episodes. So yes. they've been super random so far, and that's because we kind of wanted to give you like a scatter shot of what to expect. So we did a really old show in Twilight Zone. We want to hit on a lot of those older classic shows, even non-classic. I kind of want to dig deep with this, um, with the Ferris Bueller thing. That's kind of like our like forgotten tragedies section <laughs> yeah so we have these old what could have been? <laughs> right we have these old shows that are classics we have these forgotten tragedies or these really really misguided ones that lasted basically no time at all and we have like something like fresh prince which you know is like something we grew up on right so modern I, classic yeah so when we go random i think it's going to be fall somewhere in those categories but what we're going to do coming up here is there's this thing that amazon does and it's their their pilot season basically and what they do and it's actually called amazon pilot season you can look that up is they let people help they they let people help them pick which of the pilots are going to go to series so they have one two three four five six they have 12 pilots all together uh, six of which are live action. We're not going to do the the cartoon ones. <laughs> I don't think that's necessary. But we are going to do a few of the live action ones. So in a, they have one from Tignatero, which is called One Mississippi. 
They have like a western looking one that kind of looks like a Tarantino knockoff called Edge. They have um, one that's like looks like a quirky 80s type comedy. It's called Heiston. And they have like a political drama called Patriot. So we're going to kind of try to work through those ones. And I think at the end of those episodes, we'll kind of take the survey informally and talk about if we think these pilots deserve a series like if we'd be interested in these characters returning and i mean i think amazon's been doing this for like three seasons and oh wow yeah one of the ones that they did was transparent which won the emmy this year for best comedy and best direction in a comedy episode and best writing so i mean it's kind of worked actually it's real shows yeah yeah like some like a throwaway thing surprisingly it's worked and they get pretty i mean these aren't like little shows one of them was that alpha house i don't know if you remember that but it had like uh, john goodman yeah yeah it had never I, watched it but i heard of it i don't think it did anything but um it certainly was selected through the process so oh, i think I it think will there be were two seasons of it yeah, yeah, there are definitely two seasons. Amazon has a lot of um, original programming, and I think it'll be cool to kind of go through that process and just kind of say if we do we want more of this, do we think it's dead, or do we think people are actually going to vote for it? And from there, after that, we're going to kind of get into just like these theme months. So the way we want to break it up is we kind of want to break it up by month or by packages of four episodes and do it by month and by theme. So... I don't think we've really locked down any, but for example, it would be like anti antiheroes, you know, and we can do Breaking Bad and things like Sopranos. that. Anything on AMC, basically. Yeah, really. Any show <laughs> since 1999, basically. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so we would break it up like that, and I think that will um, keep things a little focused and kind of keep us on the same wavelength for at least a, a batch of episodes, so we're not just bouncing around doing basically whatever the hell we want yeah it's good to rein it in especially for somebody like me that can ramble endlessly about whatever not true i mean (laughs) yes you're you were rambling about your hatred for master of none but you'll soon be turning that around i know it well here's my and you know while we're talking about this just real quick on the subject of master of none and amazon programming like with netflix and amazon and hulu making their own stuff Mm mm-hmm I think what happens a lot of times, and I'm, maybe this is happening with Aziz. I know it definitely happened with that dude from The Sopranos, um, Little Stevie from the E Street Band, uh, Steve Van Zant. Hmm. They gave him like a gangster show on Netflix called Lily Hammer. Oh, I've, I've made, seen it like, before, but I don't know anything about it. Oh, well, he was like a side character on The Sopranos, so they basically made that character, put him in witness protection in um, Lilyhammer, Norway, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's dumb. Like, they just take a name, and they're like, well, we're Netflix, and we have all this money from subscriptions, so we're going to give some, like, B, maybe lower A list actor, uh, you know, boatloads of cash, and then people will just flock to watch it just because we have a name attached. I, I want to do some Netflix or Amazon shows that they gave like three or four seasons to, but that nobody has ever seen an episode of. So like, like that would be a good example. <laughs> like that yeah. one. Or do you ever see the one it's called like Peaky Blinders? No, no, I never <laughs> did. I saw one on Hulu. I, I bet you nobody has seen it. It's called whites. It was about chefs in England <laughs> um, I think it had about six episodes, and it was pretty good. Like I was bummed that it wasn't. Like I've watched a lot of them, but you no, know, I never, I never watched. 
Peaky Blind. Hulu has the worst, I, I have to say. Well, the thing with like the digital services is since they don't release rating numbers, they're under no pressure right. to renew shows based on like viewership at all. So if they like Peaky Blinders, they can just keep giving it seasons and no nobody's going to really... I mean, people might make fun of the fact that it's still going, but it doesn't matter because they're still producing their other content. It's not like they're taking something else out of a time slot and right, putting right. that in there. Like They're just making as many shows as they want. And they batch release so they can make they can film four seasons of something and put it out for four years. Right, and they batch release so then you can also forget about it like yeah. immediately it's not like every single week we're reminded oh How god crappy it is. <laughs> fucking good wife is still on like yeah. every single week you have to see those commercials so well i think uh, i think we're gonna wrap it up today could kind of keep a little close to our promise of podcasts as long as the actual show um, we will be doing these epilogues though if you know anything new comes out or if we're following along with something then we can kind of you know keep track of that and just talk about some more current stuff. So that's how we'll be doing. That's how we'll be covering more current shows and kind of keeping up in that regard. But uh, Grimes, do you got anything to leave us with any plugs or anything? Uh, just follow me on Twitter at underscore Grimes, John. Uh, that's all I'm up to. You just revealed your real name, man. It's the gig is that's up. All right. That's all right. Is it the gig is up or the jig is up? I, I would say jig. Okay, good. <laughs> Because I definitely messed it up. And I am on Twitter at Chris Lantine, and it's C H R I S L A N T I N E N. Because every school teacher I've ever had has misspelled and mispronounced it. <laughs> we will see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.